This episode of the Lost King podcast is brought to you by sausages. Sausages, seriously, what part of the animal does that come from? No, we're not live. We're recording right now. Hello, these are your co-hosts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is Toffee here, and, and with uh, Shafiq. Yeah, and this is the show of the month. Of yes, yes. This is October. The month, yeah. October. So, if we all know what October is, it means the month of beer, Oktoberfest. We're all yeah. diving down. We're all uh, battening down the hatches. We are enjoying our Erdingers. Right here, over at the Last King Studios. Basically, it's business as usual, except with a more German kind of feel to it. I guess so, Germans. Mm, sausages. Mm, we'll be bringing that up much later, right? Oh yeah, much later. But for now, I want to maybe just talk about a few games here and there. I've actually been a little busy as of late. Oh, nice to know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mostly for games. Like, this one, you, which is why I thought I was just gonna, hey, I'm just gonna go jog around Pungog or something. All this shit just starts coming down. And I'll be like, what the hell am I gonna play first, dude? I mean... Not to say I'm not appreciative of this stuff coming in for us to review, but okay. you know, it takes quite a while for us to play these games. I mean, they're not like 30 minute, 60 minute or two hour games that we used to play back in the Mega Drive or Super Nintendo days. I mean, that's right? one thing I need to be really appreciative of is like like video games nowadays, you know, it does take an ample chunk of your time, you know. Yeah. Like, even the, the most basic video game now is at least a good six to eight hours. Yeah, yeah. And the last game that I played, like I actually just finished it on the day itself. I think by the time you hear this, Game Start's already done and over with. Oh, I think we need to mention that. Okay, early shout outs of Game Start. I think by the time this episode comes out, we it's will already be already over. Yeah, we'll be there and it's probably over by now. By this episode, yeah, we're doing everything in advance. Okay, yep, yep. we're we're super professional and all about it. So, please do check out our game start coverage. Yeah, when it, it comes out. When it comes out, but not this now. Yeah. All right. So now I just want to talk about this game that a little-known Singaporean studio has made. Oh, please do tell us more. Yeah, this, this these guys are called Witching Hour Studios, and they've released this game called Masquerada: Song and Shadow. Masquerada. Now. If you have played, think back all those times when you played Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Exceptional Games, Torment, oh, Exceptional wow. Games. Planescape Torment, that, yeah. that's a whole episode we can yeah, devote to just that, that game. Yeah. I think we can spend three hours <laughs> talking about that. But anyway, now think of those main stories for those games. Okay. Now, truncated to like maybe 12 Trunch-quated? hours. I know, I know. Trunk- I, I, maybe yeah. I made that, made that Truncated. Right truncated, truncated. <laughs> Super drunk already, boys yeah. and girls. <laughs> now, now, just funneled up into like this one 12, 14 hour package. Mm-hmm. You get Masquerada. Masquerada. Yeah. Okay, tell right. me more. Alright, so this game. So it's about this uh, inspector eh, called uh, Cicero mm-hmm. who actually has to go back to his uh, to this town to this city he was exiled from to discover to solve this murder disappearance mystery that's going on in the city. Okay. And now this city is actually facing a lot of political turmoil here and there. Oh, okay. With, it's actually going through like a five-year war between the White Spire, the 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 the, the higher ups, the ruling against, class basically. Yeah, yeah, the high class against the lower class who are actually in this faction called the Mask Runners. 
Oh, now, okay. what I like about this game is like there's just so much detail and love given to the lore. Like, you go to a part, oh, there's a story bit here. You see this purple circle here when you're exploring bits of the town. Oh, okay, you get another purple circle here. Explains about what these characters are, what the culture is like. So is it like director commentary checkpoints where you basically click on it and it opens up more of the story? Yep, director, yeah, like that, except done in the story's context. Not so much a director. So it, it's standpoint. part of the narrative, how it ex- like explains the world and basically, you know, gives you insight yep. to the universe. Yep, through the perspective of Cicero, yes. And you've actually got a lot of other companions too. You've got uh, Amadea, this uh, very no-nonsense kind of studious girl. There's there's always that girl. (laughs) You've got Caldera, Calden, sorry, Calden. He's actually more like the, he's a tank of the party. Okay. And he's more or less like the very... Basically the heavy. The heavy, but he's also got the personality of a heavy as well. And uh, he, how do I put this? He's very uh, quick to act got the really big moral compass there, per se. Like, oh, he's always okay. on the side of, like, when you think of black and white, he's more white. But at the same uh, time, he learns I more see. that not things are this are that way of his way of thinking. Mm, okay. Then you've got uh, Vasco, very talkative. Uh, he's basically the joker of the group, per se, which you, which you, he'll, you'll come across much later. So the comic relief. The comic relief. Where he actually gets a bit of a change, half, uh, half of a personality change later on. So he has a story arc, too. Everyone has a story arc. Oh, wow. Yep, yep. And anybody else? Um, actually, there is another... <laughs> it's alright oh, here. Wow. Keeping it really professional here. Yep, yep. I'm guessing like this other character would probably be uh, the no-nonsense, quiet, very stoic, uh, black-haired girl. Uh, yep, yep, that's correct. <laughs> you are actually correct. Yes, yes. Hmm. Wow, why didn't I see that uh, tis, coming? Tis. Well, we'll just call her Tiz because that's like... Tiz? Her, her name's Tiz. Tiz, <laughs> That's her name, Tizia. She is um, the busy one. She's... She's supposed to be like a spy for the group at first. Oh. I mean, blatantly directed. She just calls out, oh, I'm from another guild. I'm going to join in this investigation whether you like it or not. But she warns up to everyone. So you use investigation a lot. So basically, are you like a detective or are you... You are an ex- a- Yeah, you're basically a detective type character. They call them Inspectores here. Inspectores. Yeah, apparently mm. here in this universe, uh, two, two out of the seven of these characters, they have perished because of this uh, disappearance case. So okay. now it's up to you, call back into the city to follow up on the case. Oh, that's nice. Now, this is the thing. The gameplay itself is you going through a bunch of motions. It's a very linear story. I mean, you pick your party members when you fight certain areas or explore to, through certain areas. Mm-hmm. It's all good. It's like, how do you say, you, you, you get your different styles of play and here and that. And then when you start off in the game, you get to pick any of the four elements. So there's a bit of a last airbender sort of thing going on. Oh, so basically, like these elements are like your alignment, give you like your uh, your class skills and your uh, more just class system. skills. Um, you okay. are actually a, a type of class, but you actually become a tank. You can become an offense, or it can be a more of a range character. So what are these four skills again? Are these like elemental skills? Yeah, yeah. That's like air, earth, water, and fire. Oh, uh, I wish earth, for wind, air. fire. My favorite. Funky disco. Oh, yeah. oh wait, sorry. I digress. We should have done a Earth, Wind, and Fire episode for September. Oh, totally, yeah. totally missed that opportunity. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but never mind. You know, this is the Last King podcast. We do talk about music, but most of the time, it's all games. It's all games and stuff. and stuff. Yeah. We'll get to our prop. We got to cover that prop. Man, thing in the future. do you all want to hear that? You know, please give us a shout out over at our Twitter, on our Instagram, on our Facebook. You know, Last King podcast. Do you want us to do the Earth, Wind, and Fire episode? 
I will definitely. I mean, come on, you have to understand. Like, what their biggest hits is fantasy. Exactly. <laughs> if anything, us nerds, we enjoy fantasy. Mm. <laughs> and this universe itself is basically very Italian based with all the names and whatnot. Okay. Uh, dirges, everything. Like, everything all revolves around your legacy and the songs that you create from said legacy, per se. The songs that you create, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all in the story itself. It's actually like, you. this is stuff you cannot miss because this game is essentially a straight line. Not mm-hmm. to say it's a bad thing. I mean, Telltale games are like that. No, most of them. Yeah, most of them. But this one is definitely like, it knows what it's trying to do. And then it adds in the combat, which is like, I guess it adds in 30%. Combat's more like, if you play Baldur's Gate where, okay, everything all happens in real time. You assign commands. Um, when you pause the game, you get to assign commands and they'll do that command. And then there's a party behavior system where, you know, they have this guy, you can have this guy doing the skill whenever there's more characters here and there okay. and whatnot. Essentially, Dragon Age is combat. Oh, wait, which Dragon Age? Origins? Uh, or Origins, Reckoning? the very first one, Origins. I really like that game, actually. Yeah, yeah, you might actually like this as well because it's in that perspective. Hmm. The characters are in 3D, but the whole art style, everything, it's like, you know, it's basically just a static 2D. Oh, but it's more like a top-down isometric. Uh. Isometric, yes. Okay. These, cool. these guys, they clearly are fans of Baldur's Gate and... Um, yeah, Dragon's Age. <laughs> Dragon Age, Dragon Age. Yeah, yeah. So it just goes on from there. So what's the name of this company again? Twilight Hour? Uh, no, no, no. Witching Hour. My Witching bad, my Hour. bad. Witching Hour. I'm sorry. You know, Twilight, Witching. Yeah. So I finished everything. I mean, I've gone through everything. I've checked out every character's notes, stories and whatnot. It's sort of fresh in my mind, the ending and all that. No, Even no. though I kind of missed out that woman's name. Tis, no, no, tis. no spoilers, please. Yeah, no, no, no. No spoilers. Don't worry. This is, unlike the pacifism we did, this is more like, I'm telling you what it is. It's actually really good. Like, from a narrative standpoint, and even, it's it's actually really good. I like how the characters interact with each other. It's realistic, per se. Mm-hmm. I like how the politics actually plays into effect everyone's decisions that they make. Okay. And there's actually a, a reveal for Calden as well, which I'm not going to spoil. Oh. But there's actually news about this, but I'm not going to say anything. Which actually works out very well. This it's being singled out, but at the same time, it's actually portrayed in a very mature manner. So, in other words, I mean, what I'm trying to understand is like, so you're the hero, Calden. Yeah. No, no, you are so the you're hero, Cicero. Cicero, Cicero. My bad. So, like, as you adventure through, you meet up all these other characters, or do they start with you in the party? In oh, the no, 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 they'll meet up with you eventually. So, you'll get oh, okay. Calden first, and then you'll get. Um, so, kind of like and then... Final Fantasy VII, where you, you build your party as you progress. Yep, yep. And then and when you get. And here's the thing even when the. When you think the the game is over when the mystery is solved, mm-hmm. it still goes on for another few hours, which is good because you kind of want some closure to the entire events that wrap around. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, your overall playthrough, how many hours did you clock in on this? Man? Oh, I think about 14. 14? Yeah, and that's not counting bathroom breaks or lunch breaks <laughs> or whatnot. So, I mean... I, I it, mean it's definitely worth the playthrough, especially if you're into fantasy adventure. Now, I'm going back to that point I mentioned where Baldur's Gate... 40-hour, 50-hour game. Dude, really. the game is a masterpiece. It's, it's, <laughs> the game is huge. Man. Now, these guys, they know that they, as an indie studio, they're not going to do something that big. So, they just do what makes what makes a big focal point. I think, I mean, they're very aware of their limitations yeah, yeah. and they pulled off their ambitions. Yes. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, they do it very well. Like They pull it off pretty well. Shout-outs to Witching Hour. Yeah. Okay. I mean, how do we find out more about Witching Hour? Do we have a Twitter or a Facebook? Uh, they should have a Twitter, Witching Hour we, Studios. We'll definitely Google that. Yeah. Witching Hour SG uh, at. How yeah. big is this team anyway that put this I game together? I believe it's like, last I checked, it was definitely 20 people or so. Mm. 
actually yeah, I actually talked to those the, the two heads over there, Ian and Brian, quite a bit. In fact, Ian was actually one of the one of the guys who came down to our show back in GameSpot <laughs> a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. Shoutouts to Ian. And uh, GameSpot, Asia. Oh, man. Uh, God bless its soul. Oh, rest in peace, more like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> magazine congrats, media, yes, you're yes. still around. Yep, yep. <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, shoutouts to those guys. They, they, did, they did a bang-up job here. I mean, there are still a few caveats here and there, but that's more nitpicking per se. I mean, okay, tell you what. Uh, you've gushed about this game quite a bit and you've actually piqued my interest. This sounds like something... I mean, when you drop things like Baldur's Gate, you know, then I get really it's interested. Huge expectations, yeah. But I even like their... How do you say? Like, they... Again, as an indie studio, you can't make a game too big. So you kind of need to make sure, yeah, you, okay, my, my strengths are storytelling. So... I believe that's what they go. They're going on for there. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, like, especially if you're a small studio, you're starting out, you're yeah. making your first indie game, right? Play to your strengths, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless of course you're like fucking Star Citizen, and you're already making millions, and you haven't even released the game yet, done anything. Yeah. <laughs> now, having said that, um, the combat itself it's fun for the first few hours. Then you realize, I use this one tactic. Um, Cicero, I've actually picked the air for him. Okay. For uh. Airbending, um, I picked a couple of skills where basically when I become this whirlwind of uh, pain, where I go from one line to another, basically you do a spinning attack. Imagine Tatsumaki from Street Fighter. Oh, okay. Except you go... It's actually about the same when you think about it, except you're spinning he with actually, a sword. Oh, okay. With a sword, not with his feet. So more like Zangief's Lariat. <laughs> yeah, like a Zangief Lariat in the air. With a sword. And when you actually activate a certain skill that actually allows you to stun opponents, mm-hmm. it gets easier from there. I'll oh. let my two other AI companions do the tanking and the damage dealing. And everyone somehow is targeting my character because I'm actually gathering the most threat when I do that spinning hurricane thing. Oh, so is that how the AI works? Where they literally attack what is it? That what is threatening them the most. Mm, so when, when I threaten them the most with Cicero, I just run around the entire field and everyone's just chasing me while getting damaged by the other two. Okay. Now here's the thing. I've been doing this for most of the fights. Oh. oh but no, no, no. But but again. Um, so you've broken the game already. Nah, <laughs> well, uh, clearly that you know combat is there, but at the same time, I put it on hard at one point. I figured this is tactic work, and then I t- actually it did. <laughs> Except mm. that I probably have to run around a bit more than usual. So maybe this... another ten minutes more. So is this maybe one of the nitpicks where basically the game once you figure it out, it doesn't become that much of a challenge? It'll be easier to break for people who have broken Baldur's Gate. Let's Man. just say that. And that game is not easy to break. Yeah, it's not easy to break. So I would assume that somebody on my level, I would probably enjoy this for the story, but I would probably not enjoy it so much for the gameplay. Is uh, that... Yeah, you can figure it out. You can figure out how to break it in about maybe give or take an hour or so or less than that even. Okay, Once but... you check out all the skills, everything, and figure out, hey, this guy, this guy's an air branding guy. He works well with my other air branding guy, or back and forth. I mean, taken like you know, even though I do love a challenge and I do love breaking games to like kind of use certain exploits, right? But yeah, I would not use this against them. I no, mean, no, like don't, from don't. what I've yeah. seen, like one thing that really stands out to me is the art style. I mean, mm. I love the way this game looks. I mean, you've shown me videos. I haven't played it myself. Sorry, boys and girls. You know. I've been putting hours into another game, which I will mention much later. But yeah, uh, I looked at this game from the opening cutscenes down to the story to some gameplay videos on YouTube. I mean, I watched Mr. Toffee here play in front of me and I was like, wow, this game looks really pretty. It's got a really strong like Banner Saga kind of art style where yeah. it's all, I would say, uh, like it's just beautifully it's like rendered. very bright, uh, very... The colors are all... Colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love the way this game looks and like, you know, I mean, 
granted even if this game doesn't appeal to me gameplay wise i would definitely you know sit down and like go through this once or twice and just like really enjoy it for the other experience you know the story and the lore that it's going to open up to me but okay you did mention some nitpicks okay maybe I share guess, a few um well this is more of my experience so it may vary like um there is a section where you're actually fighting in the library now you're fighting. Now this is the part where you have we can't really break the game yet because I believe you're stuck with two characters for now. Is this far into the game? Uh, no, this is actually like maybe three, four hours in so far. Now, the game is actually broken up to checkpoints. Like so, for one room, everything's auto saved. So when you start in that room, you start the fights. Okay. It could be three fights. It could be four fights. It could be just one big boss. Is fight. it randomly generated? No, 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 no. It's, it's not all, procedural. It's all, set. it's all procedural. It's all oh, set. Okay. It's all set. Now this one particular fight, um, I was in the library. There are actually three points I have to actually visit. And they'll have these enemies where their projectiles will actually hurt you really hard. Now, now, as a, okay, actually you actually have tears in your party, but still. Um, uh, then you have other, yeah, And then you have other characters who can actually summon other book characters. Like, these creatures are called Fae. They're actually the, the, the monsters of the universe. <laughs> like, they're, they're formed out of books. That's the name of, of my dubstep band, Monsters of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these fae, they actually have a tie into the story. But let's just say, we're just going to keep it simple and say they're the creatures you fight. Okay. In the, in the Like, you got giant fae, you got small little tiny octopus-like fae, flying bird-like fae. I yeah. mean, how do you spell this fae? F-E-Y, F-E-Y. F-E-Y? Yeah. Fui. Yeah, fae, fae. Fae. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. anyway anyway um so yeah i go through all these bits here yeah, i've killed the first part and then i went i killed the first mob and then i went to the second and third and they somehow just swarmed me and then when i died halfway through even when i'm really close to winning i died i didn't start through all those three fights all over again so basically the checkpoint system needs a little bit more tweaking is that what you're trying to say uh more like um i guess so i mean I didn't find that much of an issue, but let's just say if you're basically reviewing a game and you're trying out the hardest setting, okay. then it gets a bit troublesome. Especially mm. when you're dying faster than your opponents. So, I mean, but still overall manageable. I yeah, manageable, say. manageable. Like, let's just say if you're the kind of guy who does not mind tweaking his difficulty down to easy, yeah, then it wouldn't be a problem. But if you're sticking to one But I mean, it's not to the point where it's just downright frustrating, right? No, no, it's not. It's more like, uh, again, like I said, nitpick. It's like... I am just irritated, but not gonna not gonna shut the game out because of it. Just something to keep in mind, like like a game like Baldur's Gate. When you play uh, <laughs> Planes of Eternity, you there are expectations, like especially when the F five key is your friend oh, before yeah. every single fight. <laughs> now imagine you don't have that luxury, and you have to go through three fights that may potentially kill you. What this game doesn't have an auto quick save? No, no, no. Everything oh. is all saved through checkpoints, so uh, everything is divided to rooms. But I mean, like even if you do fail at a certain level, like what? How far back do you need to go? Sometimes. Uh, just at the checkpoint. So when you just started, when the screen fades out. Okay. Yeah. So basically, one section. Imagine if there are five fights mm-hmm. that to go through. Any fight you lose within either the first fight or the fifth one, when you're at the skin of your teeth, you have to start over again from the beginning of that room. But is there any penalty to like dying in a room? Do you Not lose really. XP or gold? No, or... you don't. No, you don't. So Which you just you just literally start from the from the beginning of the checkpoint. Yes. So if anything, you you just basically kind of like you're kind to, of wasting time per se. You just have to redo. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mind that at all actually. 
I mean, it's not as if he's asking you to start from the beginning. Exactly, so exactly. I, this I is more of a nitpick. Uh, yeah. But I gotta ask, is there a hardcore mode for things like this? No. I think it's just hard. Yeah, I tried out a bit of hard. It's just gonna take me a while to actually do the circling thing I mentioned. So you, you gotta kind of like, you know, just really master the game on the easier levels or just get good, don't die. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's not super difficult. I mean, no, it's, it's manageable. Not. Okay. It's manageable. More like, um, it can be a bit frustrating when, I mean, again, more of like a time-wasting thing rather than like, oh, a game-breaking problem. I mean, so it doesn't really detract from the overall experience you had with this game. Oh, God, so no, you no. still totally enjoy this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, then everybody wants to know, what's your overall review, your your your, your number rating, if you please? Wow, I've actually been giving a lot of 8s to games, so <laughs> it's, it's gonna get that. Okay, now again... A, a strong 8. A strong 8. <laughs> 8 is a strong. I, I will still give this an 8. It's a. It's got a good story. Based on the people who made it. I mean, it's a small team, 20 people, right? Well, more like... Uh, I'm actually judging this as as a game that came out this year among other RPGs that came out. Oh, okay. Expansions, whatnot. It's still a good game. And the fact that it's indie, that people actually have this vision, that's also great too. But at the, at the same time, at the back of my head, I keep thinking, there are games that... like Like... Uh, Planescape and Baldur's Gate they're already out per se yeah true and again but not easily available unfortunately yeah (laughs) yeah inspiration actually beats this sort of thing so I I actually appreciate that this kind of games come out man I would love to see another Baldur's Gate another Neverwinter Nights man but I guess like for me like looking at this game just based on the art style and based on the gameplay I mean it looks interesting I'll give it a shot I'll, I'll probably chime in and give the my own the soundtrack's actually review. not bad too oh um, please yeah you should talk about the soundtrack I mean you've been gushing about this yeah 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 Josh Welchin uh, the composer he's just basically following different styles of uh, doing an orchestra okay. but more in a more dramatic and uh, when you go to like a very quiet area you hear panpipes a lot of panpipes oh wow and very so he keeps it very thematic uh. yeah thematic thematic but he's trying to keep with the whole uh, opera a fantasy opera. Mm. So imagine, yeah, that's the vibe I get. Like this is a, like a very well told opera. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, a lot of drama, a lot of intrigue. Uh, that's why I like. That's see, it, it takes a lot to actually make me not pay attention to games that I actually got <laughs> from the Xbox One. It takes a lot, and I'm glad that Masquerade did that to actually pick my interest. Masquerade to actually get invested into the story. So like, how are people gonna find this game? Is it on Steam or is it on? Oh yeah, it's games? on Steam right now. So it's oh Steam exclu- uh, exclusively on Steam. Not on, for uh, now, yeah. it's on Steam. Yes, you can get it on PC. Okay, I will definitely check this out. And add this to my wish list. Yep, yep. So highly recommended. Yeah, yeah, it's very recommended. Yes, very recommended. Yep, yep. Uh? Highly okay. recommended. Very. Strong I don't know why eight. I like to say very a lot. <laughs> uh, we all like to. I mean, it's a very good uh, you know word to emphasize with very. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say it's extremely good. It's very good. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. So okay, shout outs to the guys over at uh, Witching Hour. Hour. Okay, you know, and um, I mean, they gave us keys. <laughs> or they gave you keys. Oh, yeah, they did, they did, yes. I mean, the review copy and all that, you know. We're not, we're not we're, honest opinion, this is what we felt about the game. Yeah. Okay, I haven't played it yet. I will definitely give it a shot. Maybe in the next following episode, I will kind of chime in and give my perspective on this game. I mean, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, it looks very appealing to me. I will definitely give this a shot. Now, speaking of RPGs... <laughs> ah, yes. Yes, so, I heard you've been playing this game that came out a while back. It actually has been in, what do you call, like, uh, Steam Early Access, where it's, like, under major development. I think, like, this game was playable a couple of years ago. Mm. But I think it finally left its beta Early Access mode and it's finally out as an official release. Okay, I'm talking about Grim Dawn. Now, if you do recall, uh, in the previous episode, shout-outs to our own episodes... 
Okay, and I give lots of love to Diablo 2 and Diablo 1, right? And a little bit of hate to Diablo 3. No, I wouldn't even say a little bit of hate. I give much hate to Diablo 3. <laughs> <laughs> and I did also kind of mention that there were other alternatives to Diablo 3 that were available at the time. Games like Torchlight. And another game I kind of wanted to mention but I didn't was Path of Exile. Now, this game, Grim Dawn, seriously reminds me of Path of Exile in a good way. Okay, now, Path of Exile uh, was another one of those dungeon crawlers that existed during the Diablo 3 reign. And it's a game that I played and paid a lot of attention to. And what I loved about it was it was extremely based around um, your player player upgrading uh, your skill trees, upgrading your player's stats, rather than just collecting items and gear. Okay. Ooh, I think this was the game with the biggest skill tree next to FF10. Dude, the skill tree is it's a huge, fucking right? star system all to itself, man. Like, you actually, <laughs> like, when I opened up, like, uh, what was a class that actually starts off with two swords? Not the thief, right? Uh, one of those classes man. I started off like the bottom right on Path of Exile and then I had to work my way up to the top right man just navigating the skill tree was an experience all to itself now it's the, daunting I'll tell you that very overwhelming indeed I uh, mean like okay now Grim Dawn is a game also built by uh, Crate Entertainment if I'm not mistaken oh man I, do I need to check this out no, no I'm pretty sure it's Crate it's Crate it's Crate it's okay crate. it's a very small team but I think when this game was like in early development it was probably a 10 man team right and from their early footage and from the early releases and the betas and the alphas that came out that people played on early access, right? It looked very much like what it is. It's the Diablo clone, okay? The setting, the style, the artwork, um, basically the overall mood and like, I mean, even the way you play the game. It's got that whole Victorian sort of like Cthulhu horror thing going on. Not really Victorian. I mean, it's literally very close to Diablo. It's basically lots of forests, lots of haunted graveyards. Lots of zombies. Lots of, yeah, (laughs) the dead shall rise again. So basically, I mean, unfortunately... I can't really explain the lore too much because I usually ignore <laughs> intros and cutscenes. But okay, but what I gather is this: you play the role of this dude who survives, if I'm not mistaken. Like uh, you are possessed by this evil spirit, and then this town decides to execute you. And then all of a sudden, as you're being like strung up on this rope, and you're gonna be like you know executed, like the the, the spirit jumps out, and then like the, the people of the town decide to hey, okay, let's not kill this guy. He's not possessed. He's he's now human. And then, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's an air of mistrust about you. Like, oh, this guy, we can't trust him. He was possessed by a spirit. So the Grim Dawn basically ex- is explaining the world. I mean, that's how they describe this kind of an apocalypse that has uh, happened on this, like, realm where basically, you know, the dead has come back to life. I mean, in a nutshell, that's what I gather from it because, like, like I said again, I usually skip intros and cutscenes. I mean... But it's very well done. I'll, I'll just give him that. You know. Did you like the aesthetic? Like the fact that everyone is wearing a Salem witch hats <laughs> armor? Probably. I, I mean, I didn't appreciate it in a, in a, in a way that was like, wow, that, that's interesting or new. But I was like, no, I, I like the fact that the team had an art style in mind. They had a look in mind and they executed it very well. Like, I mean, one thing I would say is like, it's not new. I mean, we've seen this kind of thing before. We have Every- played a lot of action <laughs> RPG clones. Yeah, and like you, there's this air of familiarity. That I mean, it doesn't detract from the game, uh, but it would definitely. You know, I mean, it feels very familiar when you're playing it. When you play this, it's like I think what, what the guys are trying to do is they they're trying to trying to create an experience that you, as a fan of this genre, will fall into and immediately recognize and like. Instead of having everything re-explained to you or you figuring things out, it's like if you're like a, a veteran of these kind of games, right? you will immediately feel at home. Like, I know exactly what to do. I know the steps it takes. So, 
I can't really give this game a full-on review because like I've how only how many hours you've been on it? I've though? clocked in at this point of time close to twelve hours, and most of it is multiplayer in friends games. And these uh, I got a couple of friends who are playing this with me, and they've kind of progressed further into the story. And then, um, how you say it? like, I'm on my own story. I've clocked in enough uh, hours to like clear the first few chapters. They are at different levels in the story. So story-wise, I'm a little bit, you know, discombobulated. I'm a bit, bef- I'm a, a bit, bit like unsure what what's going on or what what characters I need to pay attention to. But okay, let me just talk to you about the gameplay. The gameplay. If you're a fan of Diablo or Path of Exile, this is right up your alley. Okay, I mean, the mobs, very well balanced. I like the way. Um, it doesn't get too overwhelming, and then like they really make it specific. Like okay, here's a quest. Things are gonna get a little bit harder. Are you sure you want to do this? You know they kind of bring it that way, and it's like you know it'll incite you to be like okay, uh, if I'm up to the challenge, I'll go for it. Uh, the bosses and the mobs. I mean it's your standard kind of like isometric RPG fare. All right, things come at you from all angles. Things come at you with elemental uh effects. Things come at you with physical effects, and then like your character tree is broken down to like the very basic stuff: your life, your stamina, your cunning. Then you know, like you can even like measure out your damage per second, your accuracy, or your attack speed and stuff like that. I mean, like if you want to get really nerdy, I mean this game covers all the bases. And for a ten man production, ten guys, right? Creed, I mean, that's... that's the impression I get. I, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe they hired more during the course of the, the development of this game. But I I do recall this is a very small team, probably similar to like you know the amount of people in the Witching Hour probably by now. Wow, the. The mechanics and breaking it down and going deep and getting really nerdy and exploring the various skill trees and the mathematics to it all, I'm very impressed with what they've pulled off. You know, I mean, like, you take a studio like Blizzard and they took like what half like a decade to come up with Diablo three, and then you get a bunch of guys like this who are probably sincere fans of the genre. They they know what what works. They know they don't only do they know what works. Okay, they've kind of put their own spin on it now. What I'm gonna say is like the one thing that will remind you of Path of Exile is basically you know that massive skill tree. They have this uh, besides your class, you can choose a second class. Yeah. Um. So you you have a mix and match between two classes to create your more personalized character. I remember there was a shaman style class. There was a occultist. There's demolitions. Uh, soldier, nightblade. So my current build is I'm going for like a warrior. I mean soldier, nightblade. So I I'm not sure what it's. I mean, once you combine classes, it creates a, a totally new class for you. Ooh, I actually picked uh, Demolitionist because I like to see things explode. <laughs> and I picked a class... Fan of the lets, fireworks. Huh? Yep, yep, and uh, let's be summon uh, Hellhounds and Ravens. Oh, that's what I also love One too. I game. love the pets. Uh, I made the mistake of picking Soldier and I, ble- I don't get the, I to enjoy get the respect, pets. But yeah, anyway, you want to go continue with that. Well, no, what the thing about Grim Dawn is because it was in the early access, right? And people have played this game before it's official. And the math has been done. People have put up some pretty good guides, pretty good, uh, you know, like uh, character builds that you can refer to, and that's what I like about this game. Is like the community is really strong. I mean, they they show love. They they those who have come before me who have actually figured this game out, and they are willing to share the knowledge. I mean, like you can just go to the wiki or the fan sites, right? And I love the fact that you know, like this game allows you to really personalize your style of play. So like currently right now with my current character, I'm going for like the soldier nightblade. I'm going for like a two-handed melee, uh, with life siege, maximum damage. Like you just want to go out to one guy. Totally, I just want to wreck people because like where I see myself, especially because I'm kind of 
uh, catering this character to play with my friends, right? Like, I got a friend who's, like, very support. He's more, like, gonna hang back and do things from a distance. I also got another friend who's a bit more tanky. So I decided I, I should be the damage guy. So I'll be, like, kind of, like, as a team, I mean, I want to kind of, like, really fill in the gaps that's missing within the three of us. So, I mean, like, yeah, I, I love the fact, I mean, like, no, respecking is real cheap, man. <laughs> no, there's no real penalty for respecting or anything, but... Uh, I guess mm. despite the fact that the game can get really hard especially when you put it to the highest difficulty mm. it kind of wants you to be like okay you can respect however you see fit yeah I, that's what I love about it because it's not based on your gear it's really based on how you build your character and the kind of style of play that you know you feel very much com- like very comfortable with now as I'm actually doing, how are the boss fights I mean how many bosses have you fought so far in my own game, I fought about the first three guys. Okay, when I play with my friends, they in their games, it's like these guys are like about ten levels ahead of me, right? And they've opened up more of the map, and I see what is like, what I'm looking forward to. Man, there are bosses that just fill the screen. Ooh, yes, <laughs> it yes. is epic. What I love about Grim Dawn is the visceral nature of how things hit so hard, like when. Uh, your weapons impact against flesh the sound the smattering the, the, the explosions the, it just really hits you right in the gut and it's like that's what really drives me to like just jump in and go crazy with the mobs and it's I would say as an experienced man like it's some of the most fun I've had in a long time yeah, I mean I mean, I was put off from uh, games like this after Diablo 3 I did try Path of Exile I did love Torchlight but you know there was a small part of me that was kind of missing like man I mean I don't want to call this like a spiritual successor. But you feel that the polish is there, definitely. I will feel, okay, one thing about Grim Dawn, right? I, I know it's a small team and I know it just left like the early access, right? I've hit a few bugs here and there, especially with characters, like like uh, multiplayer, uh, like there are times when I just can't, can't connect to my friend's server or like, you know, we start experiencing really weird lag. And there's sometimes in a game where it's like, you and your other friends will actually exist on totally different planes. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, in on their game, I've, like, frozen and I'm stuck somewhere. And in my game, I'm, like, in another part of the map and they're not even there with me. So, it's, like, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of bugs and hotfixes that need to kind of, like, be put into place. But, no, I'm not going to fault the developers. I mean, they did an excellent job putting together. But it's not, like, game-breaking game. or anything, right? Well, like, multiplayer-wise, you would say bugs like that are extremely game-breaking because game oh. we have to restart, you know? And, but at the same time, like, that, there's also like kind of like uh, moments when like I was playing it single player, and then like just after like, because it has that system where you know you can just exit, like exit the game, exit the main menu, and then like you restart from where you start off. Yeah, yeah, from your starting town usually. Usually from your starting town. There are times when I restart the game, you know, after like a long night of just like uh, kicking ass, and then like okay, here I am, wanna go play this game again, and like huh, my items have disappeared. <laughs> oh shit <laughs> I was like hmm something wrong with the save file or anything should I just do that? so it's like yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna really go off on like you know that this game is broken or anything in any ways it's just like yeah it's early I've only played the first 10 hours it's, it's not come to a point where it's super annoying I mean I think as of this episode they've released a hotfix for certain issues and I've, I've yet to install it but I mean overall experience for the first 10 hours of this game I've been really enjoying it I mean I can't wait to kind of like do like a complete hardcore run once I get my character up. I mean, the enemies scale very well. The combat is what it is. I mean, it's, I would say, a very, very competent uh, dungeon crawler. 
And I mean, like, if you, I would give a number review, well, I mean, for well, a game, if you haven't finished it yet, and usually these kind yeah, of games are like I, more I, than twelve hours, definitely. I would definitely say definitely more than twelve hours. I, I foresee myself like clocking. In. This is this is a from the what I've seen and what I've experienced, and probably my best estimation. Like I've only played ten to twelve hours of it. You know, with a couple of hours thrown at multiplayer. I foresee this to be a 40-80 hour game. Maybe even more if you want to be really anal about completing your side quests. Wow. I think that this is the same amount. This game is huge. It's I think big. this is the same amount of time I actually clocked in for Marvel Heroes. 80 <laughs> hours, dude. So, Grim Dawn, a single-player game if you wanted to. Yeah. That's 80 hours. Dude, like, I'm holy like, shit. I love playing a single-player because the challenge is there. I, yeah. mean, I love it. Uh, and oh my god, I think... I'm sure I mentioned that there was actually a DLC coming out soon. Like, some extra stuff coming oh, in. Oh, the Crucible? It's already... No, 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 no. After that, there's oh. actually more stuff yes, coming yes, in. Yes, yes, they've announced it. Now, I've not paid attention to what it's called or what it's about. You Maybe. think it's like a new stage? I'm not too sure. Man, probably... I mean, the best thing they could do is probably a new class or... I mean, whatever... To play the game all over again. No, in I, a new style. I will say, right, like... um, I am not going to give a full review score or... I mean, this is basically my first impressions. I like it so far. I mean, like, this is Last King Podcast. We, we can go back on our impressions. Too, yeah, you know? yeah. We, can, we can make it like a journey thing. Hashtag like, No Man's Sky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you but, might like it. You might actually like it more. As of on. now, I love it. I mean, it, I mean, I really do, especially playing with, with, with friends. Uh, if you have friends who have this game, you know. Now, how I attained this was I recently subscribed to Humble's monthly bundle. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those games that comes kind of packaged, packaged in. Like, you know, once you subscribe... And for 12 bucks and like the promise of free games much later and Grim Dawn, like now nah, here you go. I was like, I really, no, nah, no regrets. I mean, for a $12 purchase, but I don't know how much it really costs on full price, uh, probably around 20, 30 bucks. I mean, adjusted to our currency, uh, but man, I I would play full price for this. I, I really enjoy what I'm playing so far. And it's like, it's the game that I've wanted to play, you know, compared to what, what else came before. I mean, granted, it still doesn't usurp Torchlight 2 as the best of this genre for me so far. That is a very hard thing to do. I mean, like, to, to me, still the benchmarks is like Torchlight 2, Diablo 2, and definitely Planescape Torment. Mm-hmm. Goddamn, Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights. Oh, I miss those games. And, and the early Fallouts, maybe, also. <laughs> uh, I will definitely come back another episode after I clocked in way more hours. And then I'll give like a complete review and a breakdown on not b- beyond the first hand experience. So more what I've experienced single player and multiplayer. But as of now, as of this episode and what I've played for the for the last for the first ten hours I clocked in, man, uh, I, I'm I'm feeling like it's gonna be a solid B, definitely, um, a, a very highly recommended game. Yeah. As of now, I've actually played this game when it first was released on Steam like after the whole early access thing and you kind of actually reignited my fire to play this mm. in the next please join my party yes. I need help oh in, man I don't know if I in the depraved sanctuary <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll try my best but man I, 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 I make things explode doesn't mean that they might die no this, dude I'm, I'm, I'm the tank I'll, let me just stand in front you you, you you hold back and do your demolition thing oh dude man. when I was using my character like in, in like when I was fighting in the, in the fields in the farms and in the over at Homestead right? forest oh okay. yeah, yeah. Homestead. yeah 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 around the areas dude just seeing the pyrotechnics is happening with the lightning yeah, that's the what lightning I love it it's just so visceral and guttural it it's, just wow it's, it brings a tear to my eyes sometimes. man on my 5.1 system at home 
with when the bass kicks in, wow. <laughs> I, I have to tune down the volume on my side because I might be in Oh man, I let it rock, oh, man. Yeah. I just love the sound of that game. Yeah. So I mean like, yeah, definitely the aesthetics, top-notch shit. Huh? And to be fair, for the story, they did try to make sure that the characters join a particular faction or whatnot. Yeah, but again, this is something you can just brush aside because... The only difference you get is basically, oh, you get this item, you get this happening, or you get another set of items, or maybe your the, the person you try to save died or something. I don't yeah, know. I don't really mind stuff like that because I mean, it, it's games like this, ads, but it's not the main crux, definitely. I mean, like games like this garner multiple playthroughs, so you can play this any single way you want. And then, like, you know, if you want to be an asshole, be an asshole. If you want to be a nice guy, be a nice guy. You know, explore, experiment. But yeah, definitely. Dude, when I said for, for 40 to 80 hours, it's probably just by yourself, but I'm not counting the multiple playthroughs. And, if and the side quests. And the side quests. Dude, and if you're an achievement guy, man. <laughs> Good luck. You are definitely going to clock in some serious mileage on this game, which I actually see myself doing. So, yes. As I said before, Grim Dawn, the guys at Create Studios, shoutouts to you guys. Excellent piece of work. I will definitely come back to this review and give a full-on... Play by play on what I really feel and think. It can be like a little develop. I mean, more like a journey, like a diary thing. Like, oh, I did this, and then oh, I did this, and whatnot. Well, that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we could actually do that for other upcoming games. I believe. Uh, I mean, know Civ Six is coming out. Oh God, damn it! Talk about a time sink. Yeah. <laughs> my my life as Gandhi <laughs> chapter 1 chapter 2 chapter 3 man. how history plays out in civilization I just want to be the Gandhi that fucks shit up man <laughs> a uh, well, reign of got, terror they got Catherine the Great too right and Alexander the Great That's man my god so many I, I really don't understand how, how was how is Gandhi related to any of this <laughs> oh well everybody wants to see Gandhi, Gandhi versus Hitler let make that DLC happen <laughs> can be LinkedIn as well <laughs> uh, man or modded mm. yeah. so alright so we're gonna take a short break don't go anywhere we're gonna talk a bit more about movies and maybe some games here and there so stay tuned
And we're black. So, Mr. Toffee. Actually, I want to actually bring up a few things that from just to add into the Masquerada talk I did. Okay. I don't think I mentioned about the boss fights. There are a few. Oh, yeah. I wanted to yeah, ask yeah. you about that. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, the while well, I said the regular fights are just that regular once you figure the out the around and stuff, yeah. Yes. yeah. When you fight the actual bosses, they're actually not bad. Pretty creative. Like, okay. first boss you come across, he actually summons a bunch of mobs. There are actually a couple of bosses where he will, he or she will actually summon mobs to come to her or him. And when they actually come close, they explode and they give back help. So basically, uh. you will reset the fight. So there's a puzzle element where you kind of need to kill those mobs before they actually pop up. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, and there are actually others where... um. If you if you see a mob if you see a boss actually spawning like a hand or something popping up in one area mm-hmm. like hitting certain targets um you might have to kill off those targets before the game is over per se oh okay yeah so I like those fights where basically it's not just the boss who's the target you gotta solve secondary objectives here and then before you actually can attack the boss so multi tiered level boss fights more something. like puzzle kind of fights so it's not really so much your skill I mean. So your skill set up per se is more or less like how do you react to the situation so it's not a total you gotta just go in guns blazing and slam yourself against him yeah, you yeah. gotta kind of figure out the boss too which yeah, I yeah. enjoy yes definitely yeah. you see shades of this in Diablo 3 but in Masquerada they do it pretty alright I actually appreciate these sort of things so and very creative is that sense. what you say yeah, yeah definitely definitely I kind of wish there was more of this happening in future RPGs. Do you think like Masquerada will warn any DLC? Any news from those guys? Or do we need to kind of in- interview those guys? <laughs> um, eventually, eventually. But um, from what I'm gathering, without spoiling anything, you could tell that yes, there is closure, but you can see something uh, a future brewing for that series. So they op- leave themselves open for a sequel. Eh? Yeah, which is like actually what most games are doing nowadays. Per se, like oh, we've kind of we're gonna cap this. Everybody game. Everybody wants to start, start a franchise. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I get it. You know, you want to keep your studio floating. You want to create that one big IP that will just you know be the cash cow. Everybody, yeah. I mean, living in this day and age, right? Totally understandable. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I hope that this game does well enough to warrant you know um, more stories from this. I mean, judging from what I've seen so far, I would like to see games that look like this. Yeah, and I actually got a request for the guys. Um, halfway through the story, you're gonna come across a fae mm-hmm. who looks like a really cute, adorable little cute thing with hands and legs. A companion piece. Yeah. Okay. With hands <laughs> and legs. Yes, it does look like a companion piece when you think about like it. Like Mr. Strong from the Mr. Men series. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> I want them to make a plushie of that. Oh. That'll be really adorable. You play the game, you'll find out who who this character is, and then tell me whether you want a plushie for that. Make a request. Make it like a. Pack, make like a little online pack or something. You hear us switching our your friends the last king want the plushie of what's this thing called? This again? character. We just call him Ollie. Ollie the square thing. Yeah, companion piece. No, no. Ollie the Fae. Ollie the Fae. Ollie the Fae. We want an Ollie the Fae plushie or at least a Funko toy. Figure it out, okay? We will give you money. All right. Now, back to business. <laughs> back to business. Yeah, the business of sausages. Sausage business. Sexy sausages. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so, Mr. Toffee. Yes. You have gotten yourself into a <clears throat> Bunny Ears media screening of this very anticipated movie, Sausage Party. Yep, that's okay. correct. From the minds that gave you... Pineapple not, Express. Pineapple Express. They and also... Um, Twas the Night, that Christmas movie. Like, um, the one with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and... Uh, 
Captain Falcon. Captain Falcon? Captain Falcon, what the hell? Captain Falcon does the Falcon punch, okay? Do not mix up your Falcons, sir. How dare you? Okay, the future Captain America. Future Captain America. Oh, yeah. Just Falcon, huh? Okay, just Falcon, yeah. Man, okay. Anthony Mack. Oh, my God. How did I forget his name? Anthony Mack. (laughs) Mr. Mack? Mr. Mack, yes. Okay, from those guys who did those films, or at least had a part in that, comes this animated feature about a a sausage and a pack of sausages Uh, trying to find meaning in life after discovering that all is not what it seemed in his supermarket slash godlike universe. Godlike universe? Well, basically, in this world, uh, all these food products think that the the humans who are shopping them Uh are gods. Uh, who actually will bring them to a new, brighter tomorrow, uh, an afterlife of sorts. So similar course, to like Toy Story with those aliens in the yeah, crane machine? Yeah, basically the food are the aliens, hmm. yes. Of course, there's actually a dark side to it as one of the non-perishable characters, uh, voiced by Bill Hader. This is actually the, the tequila bottle we see in the trailers. Oh. He actually tells you that, oh, apparently uh, humans eat you because they want to get stronger and all that shit. So how does he know this information? Well, basically, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil how they found Why out is this. the tequila the prophet of this world? <laughs> but as then well again, as it's the, the Twinkie and the, and the black uh, character voiced by... Um, what, the black character? Yes, Craig, Craig something. Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. Yes. Oh, I remember him. Take your panties off. Yes, yeah. that's the guy. That's that guy. The guy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, he's actually the... Very underrated what's comedian. That um, Grits. Grits. Grits are considered non-perishable <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> oh, man. So they have all these puns, the food puns and the jokes coming in, of course. They're mm-hmm. actually trying to satirize Pixar from the beginning up to its ending as well. Mm-hmm. Like how the climax pays off. So this whole thing is basically a giant Pixar parody? Yeah. Part of that, yes, but the other half of the movie is also about questioning religion, because the food, the food products in that supermarket believe that the humans are gods, right? Mm-hmm. And then each different character, each different food products in the aisle actually sort of twist the message around as religion in this world has okay. made, you put, made you believe, right? So this is what you get from it: basically a very strong message against like a. Uh, you know, the peer pressures of religion and just yeah. people falling into the trap of putting their faith in things that is beyond their understanding and kind of giving face to something that is not necessarily beneficial to them. Yeah, you pretty much sum up the tea. <laughs> except it's in our movie where people get stoned and fuck. Oh, wait, wait, there's some sausage sex? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> let's just say that, you know, that's, you, what you see from the R rating is what you expect. So yeah, I did not know I wanted to see sausage sex, just but now that that image has popped into my head, I am very curious as to how that would play out. Well, there are also a <laughs> lot of drug references, that's for sure. Really? Yeah. So, what kind of psychotropics would a sausage take? Hmm. So uh, We're talking more like... Um, Let's just say that um, the humans itself that the, the food products will come across to, yeah. they'll come across the mom, mom characters, they'll also come across the stoner characters. Oh, I see. Later on in the show. So you have the munchie scene, huh? Mm, yeah, of course. Of I course. mean, I think it would be necessary. for like From the guys who did Pineapple Express, they got to throw in their drug references here and there. Yes, they got to. It's something that they are close to home with, right? I mean, yeah, it's part of their whole pastiche. It's, I mean, it's their thing, their idiom. Yeah. But what I like about this movie is, like, it just does not take everything too seriously. Like, once you they give the message across, like, oh, religion is not what it seems, mm. they got a dick and fart and sex joke. Well, and they got the druggy joke as well coming in. Which okay. is done with food puns as well as like very memorable imagery, let's just say that. Oh man. So oh, I should also bring out that Sama Hayek is in this film too. Man, sure. Sama Hayek is actually a taco. 
And um, there is something very insensitive about that, but unfortunately, very necessary. I think too. they're all in on the joke. She's just so a taco. She, yeah, she's the taco. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this. Oh guy. wait, which kind? A, a, a corn taco or? I think it's just a regular heart taco. Oh, she's a heart taco. Yep, yep. Okay, and then we got <laughs> Ed Norton as a bagel. Which Ed Norton? Uh, the Ed Norton. Edward Norton. Yes, Edward American Norton. History X. Yes. So the guy who used to play a, a neo-Nazi bagel, yes. is now a bagel. Yeah, a Jewish bagel, I might add. Wow. And there's actually an Arabian fala- um, falafel. Not falafel. Hummus. A rap. A rap. Okay, a rap. A rap, yeah. I'm not sure who the actor is. You've seen it in comedies. He's got that face. Oh. Uh, Michael something something. We can check the... Fassbender? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, apparently, there's actually uh, also a subplot involving the Jewish bagel and the uh, Arabian uh, rap. Really? Yes. Well, you have a... <laughs> Hmm. Well, basically, they hate each other, and they're actually at. They're sort of close to the aisle, but they're like separate. I see. But at the same time, they kind of vibe of space. So it's like basically the Israel. It's a metaphor for on. that conflict, right? Yes. Wow. Yes. They they put it so much in such a crude cartoon. No. Oh, and wouldn't you know it? Um, one of Judd Apatow's daughters is actually a berry in the show. A berry, which one? Iris. Uh, Iris Apatow. Yes. Wait, I if I remember, Michael Sarah is also in this, right? Yes, he is actually one of the sausages. Hmm. Uh, he's actually the deformed sausage in the pack. So you did together m- with uh, Frank. You did mention Pineapple Express, right? Yeah. So, Seth Rogen, James Franco. Yes, they're in this movie. Oh man! So who is Seth Rogen, or is he just? Uh, Seth Rogen is actually Frank. He's the main character in the show. He is the actual sausage. Yes, he's the actual sausage. A brockwurst or. A, uh well, just a, reg- just a regular American sausage. Because in, uh, in this scenario, in those uh, little six July, packs, right? Yep. In the fourth, the fourth of July is actually going to happen, and they kind of want to be bought. So uh, I you see. know to be brought to the promised land, right? So, so these sausages the sausage, are aware of. 4th of July celebrations? Yeah, because hmm. it believes that they believe that oh, they're going to be ascended to heaven. Uh, which is outside of the supermarket, right? Mm-hmm. And also you got a uh, hot dog bun played by um, what's this actress from Ghostbusters? Um, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig. Oh, Kristen Wiig's in this. Yes, yes. She's one of the sausages. She's, she's a, sausage a hot dog bun and Seth Rogen's a sausage. Yes. I can see where this is going all yes, of a sudden. Yes, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Think of the worst things that could happen. So, Samahai is a taco. Wow. <laughs> I, so what gets what goes inside the taco? <laughs> and you, the, you'll find out at the end of the movie. Antonio Banderas that. is a can of beans. You know he gets inside the Salma Hayek taco. <laughs> <laughs> that could happen. Wow, well, the happen. jokes write themselves, huh? Yeah, yeah. You got Jonah Hill. That's also another sausage as well. He's a sausage. Yes, yes. Uh, not a wiener. Huh? <laughs> so all these, all these like food plays and food puns and you know whatever that you can think of sexually, it does actually pop up. So okay. And you've also got like a douche played by um, douche as in the actual feminine hygiene product. Yes. Wow. I'm trying to remember who the voice actor is. Um, I'm going to cheat and pull up IMDb. Here. Let's go and check out the IMDb. That's okay. Nick Kroll. I'm not sure who is the who is. Oh, Nick as. Kroll. He appears a lot in uh those uh roasts to celebrities. Uh, He's got that really distinct uh rat face. I'm sorry to say. Yes, yes. David Crumholtz is also a distinct face. He's uh, been in a bunch of movies. He's he's lavash the. The Arabian um, rap. David Crumholtz. Yeah. He's got that face. He's that face, the, the beard and everything. But Lavash in French is the cow, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, yes, yes. <laughs> Man, so where, where does Danny McBride fit into all this? He he's is, definitely in this. He, right? He's a cameo. He's actually the uh, honey mustard jar that says that everything is not what it seems. You know, like those crazy guys who actually pick it, God is not real. Oh, you know, really? the, the, the revelation is <laughs> coming. He's one of those guys in oh. the begin- at the beginning of the film. 
Wow. But my god, the jokes, everything, the punchline, the setups, they, they all work, okay? Like, okay. You know, like, sometimes there are some movies that try their best and fail. <clears throat> Food Fight, which is one of the worst examples ever. <laughs> I haven't this seen that. This is the best example ever on how to make fun of Pixar without coming off as a dick. Ah. Oh. Because they pay tribute. They make the animation look like a really polished animation when, in fact, the budget is probably a fraction of that. Yeah. But at the same time, they do the jokes that inspired they're inspired from tropes from Pixar films okay but at the same time they know they kind of need a dig like that mm. so Sausage Party is that kind of film alright and the whole message about the religion being just one thing and may not be what all what it seems it actually is played out here with a not really a definite answer but it's an answer nonetheless like mm. how they how each different food products actually but approach this it. is isn't really the, the main narrative it's, it's still a, a dick and fart movie right? it's a dick and fart movie with the message with, with a, a message if a you look good for message, it but it's like you know the dick and fart is basically just to complement the message like just because when it's going to be high up its ass mm-hmm. the jokes come in and they're fucking hilarious so they don't get especially to... the climaxes that happen at the end oh man I can imagine nothing but ejaculating mayonnaise jars <laughs> oh my god I went there I'm yeah. sorry no but yeah that's probably what I'm expecting okay in the first 10 minutes there's already a Hitler reference oh really? yes so not pulling any punches they're going nope. they go hard and they just keep going yes yes I'd rather not spoil the jokes come on yeah this don't don't don't, 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 don't. but let's just say that this is worth your time when it's out but I think by the time this episode is out this should be out by then so hopefully doing? uncensored hopefully uncensored well we're talking about Singapore here I mean they've censored quite a few things uh, but yeah but okay now, now this is the thing uh, I would go into this movie not looking for meaning like that but you found it you saw it yeah So because I mean, the message is actually out there playing it's like more on the nose so it. it's not overly blatant but at the same time it's presented to you in a way that I mean it's like probably a very good South Park episode where they have an agenda but the jokes still carry the whole show it's like an earlier South Park episode oh when they were really not hitting any punch no 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 they're not pulling punchlines they're not pulling punches but at the same time the jokes are there definitely Mm. like they complement well with whatever message you have yeah I guess I mean when I see a movie like this right I'm expecting something that's just totally you can turn your brain off pay attention to what's going on I mean you don't have to really delve deep and attach yourself to the narrative but like a great South Park episode I would say uh, I mean the ones with the message at least the ones with a message okay here's one thing I need to bring up and also using South Park as a comparison right I remember when this movie was being promoted over in the US and I was like you know kind of paying attention a little bit because it was kind of like I don't know. They earmarked this movie to kind of be like, here's the first of its kind, an animated feature, done Pixar Disney style, DreamWorks style. I mean, your CGI animation, but with raunchy adult humor. Yeah. Like, the trailer, when I saw it the very first time, the teaser, they, there was a potato that was actually getting peeled, and then it just actually played like a horror film. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that yeah, is I remember actually, that. Yeah. But that, that's actually what they're trying to convey, that you'll see a lot of that more. Like, the, the teaser is nothing. Okay, no, what I really want to kind of like dig deep a bit because I haven't seen this movie. You've seen it. You've enjoyed it. I mean, judging from your uh, your your review as thus is like very you, very. You positive. seem to be really enjoying this, right? Now, what I'm worried about is okay. Does it kind of I don't know maybe teeter towards being a little bit immature or is it like because for me I like my jokes to be I mean I don't mind toilet humor 
But at the same time, you gotta have a bit of substance. You know, I mean, like I do. If you're talking more like um setting it up as a poop joke per se, like mm-hmm. they don't show the poop. Per I mean, se, it's not know? like watching scary movie or any of those terrible no, parody no, no, no. movies it's where it's just like that. jokes no, and references being like you know thrown at you constantly, and then it's whether you catch it or not. The jokes work by themselves if you're an adult mind. So you can Definitely. kind of sense like writing. You can sense that this was structured. That yes. they they actually put in some heart and effort. Into a this. lot of heart and effort. How everything's all rolled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so especially if you're a fan of like Pineapple Express. Yeah, I'm a fan, yeah. I definitely oh, enjoy that movie. I mean, I don't think it's a great comedy, but you know, as part of the stoner comedy genre, I mean, it's nowhere as good as Half Big or Hell in Kumar. Okay, that's that's really hard to top. You yeah. you definitely cannot top top Half Big when it comes to drug comedies. I mean, sorry all you old fucks out there who still think Cheech and Chong movies are more funny. No, they're not. They don't age well. Half Big <laughs> wow, up till this day, still the funniest marijuana movie ever. You, you can ever expect seen. stuff like Harold and Kumar as well. If you like that kind of humor, and I would say that too, like Harold and Kumar is the one movie that has uh, achieved the same pinnacle as Half Baked. So, I mean, this is the kind of jokes, this is the kind of comedy that I'm really looking forward to. Because, I mean, if you recall like in a lot of episodes, especially in that Ghostbusters episode, how I kind of brought up the fact that a lot of American modern comedies is relying way too much on improv and the talent of the comedians, and how sometimes when you edit all that together, it doesn't really come off. Though, like, maybe the energy on set or during the production, like, yeah, you can see them giggle and laugh and deliver, but, you know... When it comes to the screen and when you as an audience coming in raw, not real, not not being a part of that energy, you don't realize that oh, this should have been funnier, but I don't understand why. Now I do understand that with an animated movie, it's kind of hard to improv. You can't really improv. You gotta really nail the jokes and then animate around it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one thing we're gonna do is we'll, uh, let's break it up into two things. Uh, firstly, let's talk about the aesthetics. Let's talk about the wraparound. Yep, yep. Animation quality. Okay, you did mention that it's not. It's Quite trying there. to. It's looking like a hundred and fifty million budget movie with a fraction of that budget. So, do you see any chinks in the armor? Is there really, anything? No, everything just looks good for what it is. Like mm-hmm. everything's all animated. It mimics Pixar to a T. Like the worst case scenario is probably like a Jimmy Neutron episode. Of or course, something. of course. <laughs> but, and thankfully, that isn't the case. This um, is like a very high polished Pixar imitator, and it's meant to be. I think they they go in. They went to do to this knowing that. Mm. They they are meant to actually imitate that, and they actually do did a really good job doing that too. But I mean, nowhere near as beautiful as something like Up or even The Incredibles, right? Or even that movie I talked about, Kubo, Kubo and the Two Strings. Now that was done by hand, sir. Was, Stop oh, motion, shit. yo! It's I still pretty. It's super. I up there. just saw that movie. God damn, you're right. Why aren't you motherfuckers watching this movie? <laughs> Give these people money, man. Like entertainment, hit it out the park, sir. Yeah. Ladies. People watch Kubo and the Two Strings. But then I like Sausage Party for what it is. It's supposed to be a lowbrow, R-rated, balls-out comedy that also touches on religion. Okay, so quite a bit. Now we're gonna address the second part of the movie, the comedy in itself. Now, for me, comedy uh, nowadays hit and miss. Okay, yeah. like like people like Bridesmaids. I didn't really like Bridesmaids. You know, people like you know that the, the Paul Feig style or maybe the Judd Apatow style. To me, uh, it kind of not doesn't rub me the wrong way, but I'm a fan of like, for me, funny is like Caddyshack, or like a Monty Python movie where it's like the jokes are not cheap. You know, they work for it. You know, and it delivers, and that's why those things, those movies will stand the test of time. 
So is this the kind of movie? Because the way it was marketed and put together and kind of like promoted was that, oh, here's the first of its kind. This movie is gonna change the way people look at comedy or change the way animation is. Okay, it, it, okay. did that happen? No, it did not. Uh, but I got a really, really entertaining ride out of it. Like mm. imagine, like remember, like I said, I am at. This is tailored towards a Harold Kumar pineapple pineapple express kind of show. So a very animated. strong stoner movie that's animated. Animated with a lot of like really dig out dig out humors what, what people can do with food products Man, just to say that the, the, you, when you have a main character who's a sausage which is an obvious penis reference but, and they do it that's the thing you, they and they go for it. it yeah they go for it which uh, is good you know you don't see that that often you can see people hinting at it but they just go flat out and just show it so they're not like embarrassed about the medium they, yeah, yeah, they that, just do that's it. what I was really worried about is like basically you know they, they basically they are might... not pulling punches like we've mentioned before no okay Let's do something even. Uh, let's compare it to other animations of the adult nature. So I guess we could go way back with uh, Fritz. Yeah, we can definitely talk about Fritz the Cat yeah. or like those early you Ralph Bakshi animations. Yeah, yeah, Fritz the Cat, the one where he fucked the black crow. If I remember. <laughs> I know I'm being very blatant, but you know how graphic that can get. You know, in a sense. Yeah, but it wasn't. You know, it, it wasn't pornography. Is it isn't stuff that you can find very available in Japan. <laughs> Okay. Oh yeah. And that's the, that's that a whole other ball game. So I mean, that's the best thing about us being Asian. Is like, okay, you're trying to tell me that your animation is cutting edge, is R rated, is funny. Dude, there's a hentai out there that's probably funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found it, but I'm definitely looking. <laughs> oh, but they're definitely very strong. Uh, how you say? Like, I would think of maybe even like something as old as the the Lupin series. You know, like you know, where they mix comedy with adventure and definitely some sexy moments. Yep. So it's like, it doesn't come off as immature or childish. You it know? might, but at the same time, I honestly was expecting this, and they mm. just went overboard with it. So because the worst thing you can do for a show that is targeting the whole immature kind of style of humor is take yourself too seriously. Yeah. No, it's also like not doing, not pushing beyond those boundaries. They just half-ass it, basically. So like a good South Park episode, you gotta go all the way. Yeah, you gotta go all the way. Which is why I like about Sausage Party. They go all the way. So you thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Yes. Man, I am gonna have to watch this and I have my own opinion because like, eh, I don't know. I I might take a bit more convincing but yeah, I guess what you're trying to get across, you you, you want everybody to realise is like, keep it open-minded, walk in, don't expect too much but at the same time, expect a little bit. Yeah. Right. Okay. So whatever you know, expectations you have, or w- where this is gonna go, it will be matched, and at some some points, it will definitely be beyond what you expected. Yeah. yeah. So okay. No, no. You you're gonna have a fun. You're gonna have a blast going. So it's a fun time. Definitely. So definitely, definitely not a movie you gotta sit down and seriously critique. But you and a bunch of dudes go in a little bit drunk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your main <laughs> character is already a phallic object, so it's really <laughs> hard to go from there. Like, how much more serious? Can you critique this film? Dude, how, how, how hard are you going to be on a movie about a sausage that's exactly. questioning its faith in life? And <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking sausage, guys. <laughs> so bottom line, it still gets a pretty good rating. Um, okay, 
your wow. number rating uh, uh, out of 12 sausages. Sir. Okay, uh, the, <laughs> 12 sausages, maybe 10 sausages. 10, 10, yeah. and, a, 10 and a wiener. 10, yeah. <laughs> 10, 10 and two wieners. We yes. gotta, we gotta go super immature with this. Yeah. So, heavily recommended? Yeah, highly recommended. Okay, so definitely. Oh man. It's, it's really hard for me to find a shitty movie for the past few episodes when you think about it. You've I mean, been very lucky, I, sir. Yeah. I've gushed about Kubo. Okay, I, I shitted on Shin Godzilla, but beyond that, I think that's more or less a very, very polarizing take. But again, Kubo and Two Strings good. Um, Sausage that which Party I liked good. it. Sausage Party was great. Oh, you still haven't seen Don't Breathe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not Please yet. Watch. I think it's already. Yeah, I really gotta see that. Damn it, uh, man. You know what? I just realized at the posting of this episode, Shin Godzilla finally probably arrived in America. Yeah, I hope they get to check out that episode where. We Please, shout out, check out our episode, Epic Giant Lizard Battle, okay, where we give you the the dirty on the, the Shin Godzilla movie and why the dirty on the lizard. you should watch other Godzilla movies, watch your own Godzilla movie, it's not bad, you know, I mean, I said so myself, but okay, Sausage Party, uh, 10 and a wiener, 10 and a wiener 12 yes. sausages, <laughs> highly recommended, jokes are there, animation's pretty decent, you'll have a good time. Yep. Totally, totally. Okay. You just summed it up right there. <laughs> ah, now I want to see it. I'm just curious. Yeah. So, hey, um, maybe we want to cap off this episode with like uh, stuff we've talked about during the break. Like, um, you were kind of bringing up a lot of Ubisoft games earlier on. Oh, are we going to talk about the Assassin's Creed movie? <laughs> sure. Um, Is it out? No, no, soon. no, not yet. Soon, soon. Um, we were actually talking about Watch Dogs 2. Mm, Watch Dogs 2. Now, I need to ask you. Did you play Watch Dogs 1? I did. I was I was not completely disappointed because unlike a lot of people who saw that E3 trailer, yeah, I've been I don't get that at the, all. I've been around in the business long enough to know that... Mr. Toffee showing off credentials. Whatever you show off at <laughs> E3 or whatever screenshots you show off two years before the game comes out, that's not going to happen, dude. dude it, happened it never... It has always been like this since the first E3 or happened, the second E3. It happened with Witcher 3. People thought that's what the game's going to look like. No. It's yeah. gonna be limited to the hardware. To whatever that... the hell that it's gonna play. And yeah, granted, but... it's a great looking game. Still, still beautiful on PC. Amazing looking game. Amazing. <laughs> like okay, you know that part. Okay, I'm talking about the the DLC that came out this this year. Mm-hmm. Um, when you actually ride up to Tucson, like on the hillside, you see the sunset and the castle. That is the most. Be- that's fucking beautiful, dude. Wait, Witcher 3 or Watch Dogs? Uh, Witcher 3. Witcher 3. <laughs> I think we should talk about Watch Dogs. Oh yes, yes. Sorry, you just got me sidetracked. So. We should do a whole episode about the Witcher series, yes. right? But then again, CD Projekt Red gets way too much love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what's a little more love? <laughs> yeah, more love, more love. More well, shout definitely. outs, too. Now, now, Watchdog. Watchdogs. I like the hacking. I'm not a fan of the... I'm not the fan of the Fox Batman character that I get to play as. <laughs> Aiden Pierce, aka guy of a baseball cap and uh, the, the gangster mask. Or something man this is he's, he's such a boring character typical like, bullshit this is what a hacker looks like no they don't they look like everybody else man this is like the Got guy it. who actually wanted to do a tryout for Batman villain and failed you think yeah he, he's just boring but at the same time I like the, the anti-oracle of him. Hmm. I can create that character already okay anyway we digress so Watch Dogs 1 when you played it character wise story wise your impressions it was alright actually I Okay, this is the time when it came out. I believe Grand Theft Auto Five like came out last year, the previous year. Mm-hmm. It's around the same time, yeah, definitely. Like few months after, and then when I see this with the hacking, and everything, I thought I'm gonna judge it on its own merits. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna ignore everything that came out before that, like all the 
all the promotion material and all that stupid hype yeah, which yeah. people were kind of burnt out after finishing it and everything I've actually got like a review copy which is basically the same thing as a retail copy oh really yeah yeah okay. it's actually I mean and I was okay with it I mean I I, I give it a 7 or a 6 when I finished it it's a decent game like it's not gonna blow my mind but whatever that's laid out there actually has potential to make a sequel so you kind of still had fun right yeah I had fun yes I drove okay the driving physics could use a lot of work that's for sure is it worse than Grand Theft Auto 4 though <laughs> no right uh, dude it took, think... it took Rockstar 5 games to perfect their driving man exactly and so, yeah, they I, don't I, really I, have I an get excuse it. they don't have an excuse I mean okay my experience with Watch Dogs um, I got a copy gifted to me on Steam so I'm one of those guys who played it on PC. Now, there was a lot of hate because a lot of people who played the PC version were like screaming about how, oh, it's locked to 30 FPS or it's like, you know, like, how come the demo looks so great? Why can't PC guys have the advantage of like, you know, we, we deserve more graphics. I'm, I'm against all that shit, you know, fuck the PC master race and all that bullshit, okay? But when I played this game, I clocked in about one or two hours. And I lost interest really quickly. I mean, you I felt a bit derivative, right? Did no, it? Not just that. Like I wasn't expecting much, but at the same time, I felt like um, there wasn't enough going for me to want to play it. I mean, you have to understand, like games like Deus Ex was around. If you want to play a game where you're hacking things, or oh, you're, that that you just or you that. you love that whole cyberpunk kind of theme, a better option exists. So it's like I would just float back to that game. Like, Watch Dogs to me felt like the kind of game, like, if I ever have the time or if one of these days, I will like, put in the hours and, like, you know, go complete the story at least, you know, and just explore this world that it was created. But the thing is, right, it got hyped up. I mean, it got hyped up real big. And then, and then it got deflated because not, expectations were raised. I had zero expectations, but the thing is, when I played the game, it's like, you know, yeah, it didn't feel like something that I would really want to invest my time in. I did like some of the characters though. Um, there was a guy named Jordan. He's actually the hitman who's basically the Asian hitman who's just fucking batshit crazy, but he's your friend. <laughs> but his name is Jordan. <laughs> yeah. And I like every interaction that Aiden has with him. So it just goes to show that you've got to do something about your main character when your side characters are more interesting. Mm. Like you've got like the other hacker guy with the big beard. I forgot what his name was. Let's call him Beardy McHackface. Beardy McHackface. He's funny. <laughs> I forgot his name, but he's I think this... he's an obvious reference to the Kevin Smith character in Die Hard, right? He's not fat, that's the thing. But he's bearded. He's bearded. He and funny. actually he can he, he can throw again. He can he can pull punches. Kevin Smith actually and he lost actually a has, bit of weight though. <laughs> he and he actually built up his own garage where he can set a death trap if he wanted to. Which you did in the game, which is actually pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but beyond those standout moments, um again, the seven out of ten is warranted from me because again, it's a good it's a good clone, but it's not really doing much to differentiate itself from everything else. So, I mean, would you I don't know. Would you advise me to go in, like, really go, go through this game and give it a second chance? Um, I would rather you play the second game. So watch that Dogs one. Looks as promised. That at least, at the very least, your main character is sort of interesting. So as of this episode, is it out when? Uh... It sh- okay. When is it? Should be out in November. Hmm. Okay. Definitely, so... like near the middle or the end of November. We're probably gonna take a look at that. Definitely. Yeah, I'm interested in it. I mean, the thing about the first Watch Dogs is like, it wasn't so much the negative hype. But at the same time, it's like, I felt like, uh, I mean, I didn't have any expectations, but the game, f- to me, felt like it should be bigger than it was. Yeah. And Which I feel that the sequel can do that. It has one mission not to fuck up, pretty much. Okay. And based on what I've seen, based on what my friend has seen when he was in the US yeah. and uh, Europe, I think, one, either one of those countries, um, 
the fact that you're actually playing a more exciting protagonist is actually this is a black dude who is trying to join this. Oh, uh, I've seen the trailer. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. trying to join this group called Ditsack, and they're trying to be hip. And then he's kind. He's a kind of very. There's proactive. also this other character with like the, uh, the the LED eye thing. Oh, he's actually one of the hackers. Basically, his thing is basically. Man, he, he just reminds me of that GI Joe character. I can't remember. Snake Eyes. <laughs> no, not Snake Eyes. There's another character who has an LED LED mask. Like before Daft Punk, you know. Uh, there's this one character in GI Joe. I think he's trying to hit that trope, <laughs> but at the same time, if he's a good character written in the game, I don't mind him. I think I look at him as more as like here's the faceless companion who'll be your moral compass. You know, I mean, basically his reactions is all just emojis on his face. Yeah. You get to also control drones and also do really funky hacking stuff as well. So, so I guess they're trying to make an emphasis that your character is not as strong as Aiden in the first one. Hopefully, uh, I swear, I hope it, that happens. Like, so this is not so much of a continuation of the story, but a sequel set in the same universe. Uh. Say same universe, different different estate. Uh, now it's in San Francisco, the oh. and closer to Palo Alto, I believe, mm, okay. or at least the facsimile of it. Uh, never been so I wouldn't know I mean like it'd be nice I mean I'll, I'll, I do remember like GTA being like you know this is as close to LA or wherever this place take, where this takes part yeah. you know? it's like a very big Los Angeles clone mm. but it's done very well yeah. so I hope they do the same thing with San Francisco here so what are your expectations for Watch Dogs 2? basically just be a much more interesting game and a story mm. just, just be more interesting be more what a sequel should be a huge improvement over your first game. Definitely, that's what all should all sequels should just yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, basically bad. just be the Godfather too. That that's actually a very high watermark. But you know what? True. Yeah. I mean, okay. Let's not say Godfather two, Terminator two, Terminator two. Terminator two. Yes. <laughs> if you want to keep it cyber, yeah. <laughs> Terminator two superior to Terminator one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like it. Like I said, if you can make your main character not be a gun savvy guy, make it more like. Play to his skills. He hacks very well, so give him skills where he can actually hack faster than anyone else on the planet. I mean, I do recall... When, when you're at the end level, you know, like, put your skill points at where it hurts like, no. Okay, like, here's a bit of a throwback. Remember back in 1997, this Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee movie? Yes, I remember that film. Hackers. It's so campy, yes. Dude, they, they made a ha- an action movie around people smashing their fingers on the keyboards. And it was exciting. Amazing soundtrack. First time I heard the Prodigy. Wow. <laughs> when the voodoo people mix kicked in as they were like ro- rollerblading. Hello, 90s. <laughs> it's like... Now, I want to say this. That was kind of what I wanted the Watchdog experience to be. Where it's very fast-paced, it's very frenetic. Where is like literally, you have to jump from one hacking mission to another, and you can't. Like, there, there isn't too much of uh, how you say downtime. Literally, okay, pun intended. So, when I played the first Watch Dogs, there was a bit of exploration and traveling and moving around, where you're basically going from one point to another. So that, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't return to that game because like my expectation, my only expectation was like. I wanted things to move at a hacker's pace. You know what I mean? Where everything is fast-paced, data is transferred. Like, everything is, like, at broadband speeds. Everything is just downloaded, moving, data shifting quickly. And then, like... Eh, I think you might get that with the second game. That's what I'm but hoping for. But in a for. more uh, 2000 millennial bashing kind of light. Oh, man. Everything's on Wi-Fi or data or LTE. Yeah? Yep. <laughs> it's all can, hashtags. I, can, I, can, I think damn. it can work because you're actually joining a hacker group and you're trying to build up from the inside how to make this hacker group the better. hacktivists <laughs> I think they're called DeadSec in the game DeadSec yeah, yeah. yeah like in the first game as well mm. okay keeping so, it in canon uh, yeah, I get just, it yeah. to see it grow like to expand it that, that can actually work thematically and through a gameplay standpoint man I mean uh, 
do you think that this will hit the mark? I hope so, because mm. otherwise we're gonna see a shitload more Assassin's Creed games coming out. Man, we don't and need a fuck more Far Cry games. We don't need any more Assassin's Creed games. But I wouldn't mind another Far Cry game, though. I haven't played the recent one, but Far uh, Cry Primal or something. I didn't play Primal though. I mean, uh, I'm not expecting much from it. I mean, I enjoyed three. I enjoyed four. Ah, uh, four was fun. I like yeah. I like using the gyrocopter a lot <laughs> with a rocket launcher. Man, no, no, the 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 hand the the handgun grenade launcher thingy, well, so you can kind of aim and shoot and make. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, but speaking of future Ubisoft releases, I mean, do you want to talk about Assassin's Creed, the movie, Mister Fassbender himself? Well, the only thing I know about the film is it actually takes place in that same universe where you got the Templars. People training to be Templars and you suddenly joining Absurgo and I mean, it's not, trying to break away from that stuff. I mean, it's an adaptation of the games. It's not really directly, you know, like a, a live action version of any of the games. As right? far as I'm concerned, it's not adapting any of the stories that are in the game. Mm. They're actually making a story that just happens to fit within the canon. Like maybe between part one and part two or maybe between part two and part three mm. and see how it goes from there. Or maybe mm. it could take place when uh, part four and um, syndicate happened, no, Remember I have not. Was, actually, I have not played syndicate. <laughs> yeah. So as you can, well, basically the assassins actually broke off and they splintered to different groups, mm. and but they're still around. So maybe it might splinter off from there. I would like to see that being presented to a casual audience. Do you know what I want to see in this new Assassin's Creed movie? What a reference to another Ubisoft movie. I want it to be in the same universe as Prince of Persia. I want for somehow the Jake Gyllenhaal character to have a descendant who also appeared. <laughs> I don't know, man. That, that might be interesting. Yeah, like a mix of science, a mix of magic, you know, the sands of time and Michael Fassbender. <laughs> Wait, did the prince have a name in the movie? I, I, I just call him Aladdin. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even bother. It's like, seriously, you're trying to pull off Persian? No. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Have you seen what Persians look like? They don't look like, you know, Swedish guys like you, man. Gil and Hall. All that whitewashing thing is like another topic man. for another time. Dude, we're Asian. We're, we're allowed to just bitch about whitewashing. Yes. Man, okay. So, speaking of whitewashing and making movies of IPs we love, your thoughts on The Ghost in the Shell? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry to drop this bomb on you, but... Okay, maybe a quick five-minute conversation before we totally wrap up. Because the thing is, one trailer has been released. Yes. It actually showed like a bunch of teasers of like uh, Scarlett Johansson as Makoto Kusanagi. How the fuck did you have it on? That's it. That's exactly it. Scarlett Johansson as Makoto Kusanagi. <laughs> It's basically like, what's the name of that asshole who played like Kyo Kusanagi in the King of Fighters movie? Oh, Sean Ferris. Oh my god. Sean how did, how, Ferris. How did I remember that name? My as god. Kyo Kusanagi. That... The, huh? <laughs> oh my god. So, like, is she called. But they have Deep Takeshi, but he's another different character. Oh man, Deep Takeshi lost the plot since Battle Royale. <laughs> No, but then shout-outs for Zatoichi. Zatoichi was an amazing movie. That was a good film. That was a good film. And probably a lot of other Beat Takeshi movies. Man, no, okay. No, but here's the thing. When that was announced, the trailer, when everybody got on the bandwagon of hating on this movie, basically because, oh, because, you know, she's an Asian person. She should be played by an Asian person. And Scarlett Johansson is the least Asian person in the world. Here's the thing. I get where the filmmakers are trying to say that, look, we can get Asian actress, insert name here, to play this role. 
but more people will pay to see Scarlett Johansson. Of course, of course. Now, if any of you recall the Ghost in the Shell movie, it opens with some amazing nudity. <laughs> and we Scarlett, get to see Scarlett Johansson. If Scarlett Johansson, the last time I saw her naked was in that really stupid movie. What's <laughs> the, it last, the last in translation was no, it? No, 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 no. She played some alien who like eats people. Um, yes, yes, I remember this one. I saw, but um, I, I remember watching it and thinking, "What the fuck am I watching?" And this is a weird film. Um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, the skin thingy inside, inside the skin, under the skin, under the skin. Yes, that piece of shit is like it's it's I interesting to say the least. Dude, I won't say it's a piece if of shit. she wasn't naked in that movie I would not have sat through it at all <laughs> and okay you know I'm just being a, I'm just being a bro here I, I love me some Scarlett Johansson nudity I would love to see more of it I would love to see her as a robot being put together uh, but and uh, the, the major in that film in the series is also you know like uh, likes other women hmm. yeah so no, okay, Scarlett Johansson kissing other women yes, sure yes, why not Here's the thing, though. Like, oh, oh, you talk about standalone complex and stuff like that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, the manga they actually showed Maku, uh, the major, like, kind of doing it. With <laughs> the the bisexual, the bionic bisexuals. Yes, yes. Wow. No, but okay. Like, okay. Let's preface this. Are you a fan of the anime, the first movie? Let, yeah. Let's not talk about the sequels and the spin-off TV show. I like it. I like the film a lot. Dude, to me, that's a masterpiece. That that, that sh- wow. Like that is some top quality animation, top quality storytelling. Super influential, you know. I mean, it that movie made its mark on stuff like the Matrix. But and my stuff. take on this whole uh, sort of fiasco is, if you can draw the crowd, go ahead. But just make sure they're good actors that actually do the roles yeah, justice. Yeah, I first. would definitely say that. Like, I'm not on the whole like whitewashing or this is a this is an Asian movie should be for Asians. Like, dude, like if Hollywood wants to make a Hollywood version of it, this is what it would look like. If Asia, if Japan decided to make a Ghost in the Shell movie, I mean, like. Japan's hit and miss. I mean, they made a Godzilla movie after Hollywood made their Godzilla movie, and yeah. you see, yeah, it it, it, it you, goes you, both you, ways. Yeah. You can look at the episode and see hear my thoughts. And then that. also we can also agree, like, dude, if you if you're a purist, if you're a super fan, and you you don't want to see this movie get made, just fucking ignore it and watch Ghost in the Shell forever. Okay, that movie yeah. still exists. You know, it will stand the test of time. Acting, cinematography, direction, and all that matters. So I don't care if you have different yeah, characters I mean, in it, as I, long as you kind of fit to that cyberpunk tone thing. Not just, I mean, not just that. that, but like adapt. You know, adapt. Like goes in the shell. Make it make sense in a one-hour, two-hour format. I mean, you mentioned about the whole like in House Sausage Party has all these kind of trappings about talking about God and faith. Yeah. Like goes in the shell is one of the most existential movies exactly, ever. Yes. So if you can bring that across to, I mean, like, I'm as a uh, as a fan, as a super fan, who is like, I'm not supporting this movie in the say in the sense that like, I want to see it get made. If you ask me, you should not remake anything ever, hands down. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they're going to try this. Now, like, when the Watchmen movie was made, and, like, based on my love for the Watchmen comic, I still went into the cinema to, like, you know, to judge it. But I was pleasantly kind of, like, you know, I had my opinion to, like, oh, actually, Zack Snyder, before he became shit Snyder, I mean, like, this was him fresh of, like, uh, Dawn, of, Dawn of the Dead, right? Oh, was it? Yeah, it was Dawn of the Dead. Was it after Dawn of the Dead? It was I definitely it was after, after Dawn of the Dead. It was definitely uh, after 300. You know, like, okay, okay, this guy has promised. I'm going to give him a chance. So I'm going to say the same thing too. Like, when this goes in the show movie drops, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to sit through it. I'm going to have my bias and my opinions, but I will judge it on its merit. So if there's anything, right, like, please, if you don't want to stay true to the physical appearance of Makoto, fine. Stay true to her character. Stay true to... Her, her her whole character arc. 
about stay true to the story and questioning everything. existence and what makes you know people sentient and like what is a soul like those were some of the most beautiful moments in that Ghost in the Shell anime, anime is like okay you try to pull it off because like you can always bring up this other movie uh, Makina mm-hmm have you seen that? Ex Machina? Ex Machina, oh, my yeah, bad. Oh yeah, Ex Machina, yes. My yes. bad. No, too much Deus Ex, Ex Machina. Machina. Too much cyberpunk. Ah! <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting real... I'm, we're rambling. Okay, that was very well done. That to me is like, dude, if you want a movie about, you know, sexy girl robots understanding existence, and it exists, <laughs> there you go. You can watch that. You know, Oscar Isaac, Mr. Poe Dameron himself. Yes, yes. You know? Um, but like... Uh, I'm hedging my bets, but at the same time, I'm gonna give this movie a shot. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. You know, I'll, I will not judge it till it's complete. You know, I mean, you can't rate or review or judge anything based on a trailer or like an opening cinematic. You gotta, you know, let it happen and just like be there to shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we can cap off that episode. We can just call it a wrap. So this has been your co-host Shafiq. And before we end it, how about we just have a shout out to a plug so you can check us out on our website, oh, thelastking.net and yes. you can check us out on iTunes. Oh, we're on is, iTunes. Please yes. rate, review, subscribe, all those lovely things. Whatever you do, it'll bring us <laughs> it'll bring us to the front page, get us the attention we we're we're so much looking for. You know, we want to spread love and the message across. Yeah. So, and also follow us on our Twitter uh, uh, @lastkingpodcast and also your Instagram @lastkingpodcast. Okay, there should be some lovely game start coverage filling up the uh, Probably in the next the few weeks or so, yeah. yeah. I mean, not probably now, as of this episode. Hope yes, yeah. yes. I gotta think ahead, man. I gotta think one week ahead. Yeah, so, again, okay, this has been your co-host, Mr. Shafiq. And this is Mr. Toffee, signing off. <laughs>